Hello, and welcome to EDU, Eric DeReese University. I'm Dr. DeReese. Let's get started, shall we? Writing Literature Reviews, 4th Edition, Chapter 1. Writing Reviews of Academic Literature on o an Overview. This book is a guide to the specialized requirements of writing a literature review in the social and behavioral sciences. In it, you will learn how to write a review of the literature using primary original sources of information in the social and behavioral sciences. By far the most common primary sources are reports of empirical research published in academic journals. This chapter begins with a brief overview of this type of source. It is followed by brief descriptions of four other types of material found in journals. One, theoretical articles, two, literature review articles, three, anecdotal reports, and four, reports on professional practices and standards. These are followed by an overview of the writing process you will uh, use as you write your review. This overview includes a brief summary of the rest of the, of the book, an introduction to reviewing primary sources. Why focus on empirical research reports? <clears throat> the focus of this book is an original re is on original reports of research found in academic journals. They are original because they are the first published accounts of research. As such, they are primary sources of information, detailing the methodology used um, in the research and in-depth descriptions and discussions of the findings. In contrast, research summaries reported in textbooks, popular magazines and newspapers, as well as on television and radio, are usually secondary sources, which typically provide only global descriptions of uh, results with few details on the methodology used to obtain them. As scholars, you will want to emphasize primary sources when you review the literature on a particular topic. In fact, your instructor may require you to cite primary sources exclusively in your written reviews of the literature. Journals in the social and behavioral sciences abound with original reports of empirical research. The term empirical refers to observation, while the term empirical research refers to uh, systematic observation. Research is systematic when researchers plan in advance whom to observe, what characteristics to observe, how to observe, and so on. While empirical research is the foundation of any science, one could reasonably argue that all empirical research is inherently flawed, hence the results obtained through the research should be in interpreted with caution. For instance, the following is a list of three major issues that arise in almost all empirical studies and the problems they pose for reviewers of research. Issue 1. Sampling. Most researchers study only a sample of the individuals and infer that the rest apply to some larger group, often called the population. Furthermore, uh, most uh, researchers use samples with some kind of bias that makes them un unrepresentative of the population of interest. For instance, suppose a professor conducted <clears throat> research using only students in his or her introductory psychology class, or suppose a researcher mailed a questionnaire and obtained only a 40% return from recipients. Clearly, these samples might not be representative of the population of interest. Problem. A reviewer needs to consider the possibility of errors in sampling when interpreting the results of a study. Deciding how much trust to put in the results of a study based on a flawed sample is a highly subjective judgment. <clears throat> Issue 2. Measurement. Almost all instruments used for measurement in empirical research should be presumed to be flawed to some extent. For example, for instance, suppose a researcher uses a self-report questionnaire to measure the incidence of marijuana use on a campus. Even if respondents are, are assured that their responses are confidential and anonymous, some might not want to reveal their illegal behavior. On the other hand, others might, want, uh, might be tempted to brag about doing something illegal, even if they seldom or never do it. <clears throat> 
So what are the alternatives? One is to conduct personal interviews, but this measurement technique also calls for revelation of an illegal activity. Another alternative is covert observation, but this technique might be unethical. On the other hand, if the observation is not covert, participants might change their behavior because they know they are being observed. As you can see, there is no perfect solution. Problem. A reviewer needs to consider the possibility of measurement error. Ask yourself whether the method of measurement seems sound. Did the researcher use more than one method of measurement? If so, did the various methods yield consistent results? Issue 3. Problem identification. Researchers usually examine only part of a problem, often just a very small part. Here is an example. Suppose a researcher wants to study the use of rewards in the classroom and its effects on creativity. This sounds manageable as a research uh, problem until one considers that there are many kinds of rewards, many kinds and levels of praise, many types of prized objects that might be uh, given, and so on. Another issue is that there are many different ways in which creativity can be expressed. For instance, creativity is expressed differently in the visual arts, in dance, and in music. Creativity can be expressed in the physical sciences, in oral expression, in written communication, and so on. No researcher has the uh, resources to examine all of these forms. Instead, he or she will probably have to select only one or two types of rewards and only one or two manifestations of creativity and examine them in a limited number of classrooms. Problem. A reviewer needs to synthesize the various research reports on narrowly defined problems in a given area. Looking for consistencies and uh, discrepancies from report to report while keeping in mind that each researcher defined his or her problem in a somewhat different way. Because empirical research provides only approximations and degrees of evidence on research problems that are necessarily uh, limited in scope, creating a synthesis is like trying to put together a jigsaw puzzle for which most of the pieces are missing and with many of its available pieces not fully formed. <clears throat> Considering the three issues presented, you might be tempted to conclude that reviewing original reports or, empir or empirical research is difficult. Undoubtedly, it sometimes is. However, if you pick a topic of interest to you um, and th thoroughly read the research on that topic, you will soon become immersed in a fascinating project. On the vast majority of topics in the social and behavioral sciences, there are at least minor dis uh, disagreements about the interpretation of the available research data, and often there are major disagreements. Hence, you may soon find yourself acting like a juror deliberating about which researchers have the most cohesive and logical arguments, which have the strongest ha uh, evidence, and so on. You can be a f it, this can be a fascinating activity. You also might incorrectly conclude that only students who have in intensively studied research methods and statistics can make sense of original research reports. While such a background is very helpful, this book was written with the assumption that any intelligent, careful reader can make, a sense, make sense of a body of empirical research if he or she reads extensively on the, the topic selected for review. Authors of reports of original research do not present statistics in isolation. Instead, they usually provide discussions of previous research on their topic, definitions of basic concepts, uh, descriptions of relevant theories, the reasons for researching their research in the way they did, and interpretations of the results that are moderately moderated by uh, acknowledgments of the limitations of their methodology. Thus, a skilled author of a report on original empirical research will guide you through um, the material and make it comprehensive to you, even if you do not understand all the jargon and statistics included in the research report. One final consideration. It is essential that you carefully and thoroughly read all the research articles that you cite in your literature review. Reading only the brief abstracts, summaries, at the beginning of a research article 
at the beginning of research articles may mislead you because of the lack of detail and therefore cause you to mislead the readers of your literature review. Thus, it is your ethical responsibility to read each cited reference in its entirety. Another kind of primary source, uh, theoretical articles. Not every journal article is a report of original research. For instance, some articles are written for the explicit purpose of critiquing an existing theory or to propose a new one. Remember, a theory is a general explanation of why variables work together, how they are related to each other, and especially how they influence each other as a unified, uh, as unified set of constructs. A theory helps to explain how seemingly unrelated empirical observations tie together and make sense. Here's a brief example. Consider the relational theory of loneliness. Another, uh, among other things, this theory distinguishes between emotional loneliness, utter loneliness created by the lack of close emotional attachment to another person, and social loneliness, feelings of isolation and loneliness created by the absence of a close social network. This theory has important implications for many areas of social and behavioral research. For instance, this theory predicts that someone who is in bereavement uh, due to the death of a spouse with whom he or she had a close emotional attachment will experience utter loneliness that cannot be moderated uh, through social support. Notice two things about the example uh, given above. First, the prediction based on the theory runs counter to the common sense notion that those who are lonely due to the loss of significant other of a significant other will feel less lonely with the social support of a family and friends. The theory suggests that this notion is only partial, partially true at best. Specifically, it suggests that family and friends will be able to lessen social loneliness but be ineffective in lessening the more deeply felt and politically devastating emotional loneliness. Note that it is not uncommon for a theory to lead to predictions that run counter to common sense. In fact, this is a hallmark of theories that make important contributions to understanding human affairs and our physical world. Second, the relational theory of loneliness uh, can be tested with empirical research. Um, a researcher can study those who have lost significant others, asking them how about, how about how lonely they feel and the types of strength of social support they receive. To be useful, a theory should be testable with empirical methods, which helps the scientific community to determine the extent of its validity. Your job in reviewing literature will be uh, made easier if you identify the major theories that apply to your topic of interest. Writers of empirical research reports often identify underlying theories and discuss whether they whether their results are consistent with them. Following up on the leads they give you and their references to the theoretical literature will provide you with a framework for thinking about the bits and pieces of evidence you find in various reports about specific and often quite narrow research projects that are published in academic journals. In fact, you might choose to build your literature review around one or more theories. In other words, a topic for a literature review might be to review the research relating to a theory. It is important to note that a literature review that contributes to a better understanding of one or more theories has the potential to make an important contribution to the writer's field uh, because theories often have broad implications for many areas of concern in human affairs. Literature review articles. Journals often carry literature review articles, that is, articles that review the literature on specific topics, much like the literature review that you will write while using this book. Most journals that publish review articles set high standards for accepting such articles, not only because they uh, uh, be well-written analytical narratives that bring uh, readers up to date on what is known about a given topic, but they must also provide fresh insights that advance knowledge. These insights may take many forms, including one, resolving conflicts among studies that previously seemed to contradict each other, two, identifying new ways to interpret 
uh, research results on a topic, and three, laying out a path for future research that has the potential to advance the field significantly. As a result, going through the process of preparing a literature review is not an easy way to get a published to get published in a journal. In fact, when you begin reviewing the literature on a topic, there's no guarantee that you will arrive at the level of insight uh, required to pass the scrutiny of a journal's editorial board. However, if you follow the guidelines outlined in this book, which emphasize analyzing and synthesizing literature, in other words, casting a critical eye on it, pulling it apart, sometimes into pieces, and putting their pieces back together in a new form, you stand a better chance that uh, than the average academic writer of producing a review suitable for publication. It is worth noting that sometimes students are discouraged when they find that their topic has been recently has recently been reviewed in an academic journal. They may believe that if the topic was already reviewed, they should select a different topic. That is not necessarily a wise decision. Instead, these students should feel fortunate to have the uh, advantage of considering someone else's labor and insights. That is, someone on whose work they can build or with whom they can agree or disagree. Writing is an individual process, so two people reviewing the same body of literature are likely to produce distinctly different but potentially equally worthy reviews. Anecdotal reviews. As you review the literature on a specific topic, you may encounter articles built on anecdotal accounts of personal experience. An anecdote is a description of an experience that happened to be uh, noticed, as opposed to an observation based on research in which there were considerable planning. There was considerable planning regarding whom and what to observe, as well as when to observe a particular phenomenon in order to gather the best information. Anecdotal accounts are most common in journals aimed at practicing professionals such as clinical psychologists, social workers, and teachers. For example, a teacher might write a journal article describing his or her experiences with a severely underachieving student who bloomed academically while in that teacher's classroom. Other teachers may find this interesting and worth reading as a source of potential ideas, but as a contribution to science, such anecdotes are seriously deficient. Without control and comparison, we do not know um, to what extent this teacher has contributed to the student's progress, if at all. Perhaps the student should uh, would have bloomed without the teacher's efforts because of the improved conditions at home or because of a, of a drug for hyperactivity prescribed by a physician within the teacher's knowledge uh, without the teacher's knowledge given these limitations anecdotal reports should be used very sparingly in literature reviews and when they are cited they should be clearly labeled as anecdotal reports on professional practices and standards some journals aimed at practicing professionals publish reports on practices and standards such as newly adopted curriculum uh, standards for mathematics instruction in a state or proposed legislation to allow clinical psychologists to prescribe drugs. When these types of issues are relevant to a topic being renewed, they may merit discussion in a literature review. The writing process. Now that we have considered the major types of materials you will be reviewing, in other words, reports of empirical research, theoretical articles, uh, literature review articles, articles based on anecdotal evidence, and reports on professional articles and standards, we will briefly cons uh, consider the process you will follow in this uh, book. An important but often overlooked distinction is made in this book between conducting a literature review, locating literature, reading it, and mentally analyzing it, and writing a literature review. Needless to say, one must first locate, read, and analyze literature before a review can be written. Furthermore, being uh, okay. Furthermore, writing a literature review uh, involves a series of steps in the um, in the field of composition. In the field of composition and rhetoric, these steps collectively 
are referred to as the writing process. They include one, planning, two, organizing, three, drafting, four, editing, and five, redrafting. Some, uh, more specifically, the process involves defining a topic and selecting the literature for review, planning, analyzing, synthesizing, and evaluating uh, the articles being reviewed, organizing, writing <coughs> first draft of the review, drafting, checking the draft for completeness, cohesion, and correctness, editing, and rewriting the draft, redrafting. The process is much like the one you um, may have followed in your freshman English class when you were asked to write an analytical essay. The organization of this book follows these steps in the writing process. Writing for a specific purpose. The first order of business is to consider your reasons for writing a literature review. Reviews of empirical research can serve uh, several purposes. They can constitute the essence of a research paper in a class which can vary in length and complexity depending on the professor's criteria for the paper. In a research report in a journal, the literature review is often uh, brief and to the point, usually focusing on providing the rationale for um, specific research questions or hy hypotheses explored in the research. In contrast, the literature review in a thesis or dissertation is usually meant to establish that the writer has a thorough command of the literature on the topic being studied, typically resulting in a relatively long literature review. Obviously, these different reports will result in literature reviews that vary in length and style. Chapter 2, Considerations in Writing Reviews for Specific Purposes, describes the differences in these three kinds of reviews. Planning to write. The first two tasks in planning to write a review of empirical research are defining the topic and locating relevant research articles. Uh, these steps are interrelated because of the topic you specify will uh, determine the specific literature you identify and often the results of your literature research will guide you in defining the topic. Sometimes your instructor will assign a specific topic for a term paper. Other times the research will be left up to you. Uh, left up to you. Uh, the process of defining the topic is the first step covered in chapter three, selecting a topic and identifying literature for the review. The remainder of chapter three deals with the process of selecting relevant journal articles. Research libraries are not what they used to be. While searching the library stacks may prove fruitful for you, it can be a hit or miss experience because a library's holdings will vary greatly depending on resources, availability, and even vandalism. A better option is to search computerized databases and internet uh, resources. Reference librarians can help you get started, or you can sign up for a workshop on how to use electronic uh, resources. In this book, you will learn some of the basic steps involved in searching databases. However, keep in mind that each database has its own unique features. It is beyond the scope of this book to describe all these uh, differences in detail. After you've located an adequate collection of articles concerning your topic, you should read and analyze them. This step is called analysis and involves reading an article and taking notes. In other words, as you read, you separate the author's prose into its parts or elements. Because you will be analyzing a number of articles, you will need to prepare a systematic collection of notes. Part of the analysis process is sifting the elements in which you uh, made notes, retaining the pertinent notes, the pertinent ones, and discarding those you do not need. This step is the subject of chapter four. Uh, general guidelines for analyzing literature. <clears throat> it is sometimes necessary to read and analyze the literature from a more specialized uh, perspective. Uh, for instance, if your literature review is part of a research study you are planning to conduct, you will want to pay special attention to Chapter 5, Analyzing Quantitative Research Literature, and Chapter 6, Analyzing Qualitative Research Literature. These chapters provide a brief overview of more technical issues in analyzing these types of research, organizing your notes and your thoughts. Having followed the above steps, you should begin creating a synthesis 
which involves putting the parts from your notes back together into a new whole. Think of it like this. Each of the articles you will have read constitutes its own whole. In your research notes, you will have written down parts or elements from each article. Then you will put these notes back together in a new organizational framework. After creating the new framework, you will evaluate the contents. In other words, you need to describe your evaluation of the quality and importance of the research you have cited. These steps are covered in Chapter 8, synthesizing uh, literature pr prior to writing a review. At this point, you may want to build one or more tables to summarize the results of previous research. Chapter 7, Building Tables to Summarize Literature, shows how to do this. Drafting, Editing, and Redrafting. <clears throat> Next, you should write your first draft. With your audience in mind, decide whether you will write, it, uh, write in a formal or less formal voice. In effect, an effective writer is aware of the reader's expectations. A term paper written for a professor who is knowledgeable in a particular field is different from a um, literature review in a synthesis, no, in a thesis, which may be read by readers who are curious but not necessarily knowledgeable about a topic. A literature review in a thesis is different from a literature review in an article intended for publication in a journal or in a research paper written for a class. You should also identify the major subtopics and Determine the patterns that have emerged from your notes, such as trends, similarities, contrasts, generalizations. These steps are covered in Chapter 9, Guidelines for Writing a First Draft. Next, you should make sure that your argument is clear, logical, and well-supported, and that your draft is free of errors. Chapter 10, Guidelines for Developing a Coherent Essay, uh, will help you ensure that your argument makes sense to you and your readers. Chapter 11, Guidelines in, on Style, Mechanics, and Language Usage uh, describes the first steps in making sure that your review is free of errors. The final three chapters of this book coincide with the last two steps in writing process, editing and redrafting. These steps are uh, iterative. In other words, they are meant to be uh, repeated. It is not uncommon for a professional writer to rewrite a draft three or more times, each time producing a refined new draft. Chapter 12, Incorporating Feedback and Refining the First Draft, provides guidelines on how to, research, uh, how to approach this stage in the writing process. Chapter 13, Preparing a Reference List, provides a detailed overview of how to prepare reference lists consistent with the principles in the publication manual of the American Psychological Association, which is the most frequently used style manual in the social and behavioral sciences. Finally, Chapter 14, Comprehensive Self-Editing Checklist for Refining the Final Draft, gives a detailed checklist for use in editing your own manuscript for style and correctness. Formal academic writing requires that you uh, compose a manuscript that is error-free as possible, and this checklist will help you to accomplish that goal. Activ activities for Chapter 1. Locate an original report of empirical research in your field. Uh, read it and respond to the following questions. How to locate journal articles on specific topics is covered in considerable detail later in this book. At this point, simply locate one of your general one in your general field of study, your reference librarian or uh, instructor can help you to identify specific journals in your field that are available in your college library. Scan the tables of contents for a research article in a topic on a topic of interest and make a photocopy to bring to class with your answers. Note that your instructor may want to assign a particular research article for this, this activity. A. Are there any obvious sampling problems? Explain. Do not just read the section under the subheading sample because researchers sometimes provide additional information about the sample throughout their reports, especially in the introduction, where they might point out how their sample is different from those used by other researchers or near the end 
where they might discuss the limitations of the sample in relation to the results. B. Are there any obvious measurement problems? Explain. Has the researcher examined only a narrowly defined problem? Is it too narrow? Explain. Uh, D. Did the um, notice? Did you notice any other flaws? Explain. E. Overall, do you think the research makes an important contribution to advancing knowledge? Explain. Okay, and number two, read the first sample literature review, review A, near the end of this book and respond to the following questions. Note that you will want to read this review again after you have learned more about the process of writing a review. The questions below ask only for your first general impression. Later, you will be able to critique the review in more detail. A. Have the reviewers clearly identified the topic of the review? Have they identified, uh, indicated its delimitations? For example, is it limited to a certain period of time? Uh, does it deal only with certain aspects of the problem? B. Have the reviewers written a cohesive essay that guides you through the literature from subtopic to subtopic? Explain. C. Have the reviewers interpreted and critiqued the literature, or have they merely summarized it? D. Overall, do you think the reviewers make an important uh, contribution to knowledge through their synthesis of the literature? Explain. Hi, this is Dr. DeReese. Do you like what you're hearing in this podcast? Would you like to hear more? Well, why not support this podcast by making a donation? The amount doesn't matter. Whatever works for you, I am certainly grateful for. And while you're at it, why not make a suggestion for what you'd like to hear in this podcast? I'm certainly open to suggestions. And let me just say, thank you for your support. Well, that's the end of this episode of the podcast EDU, Eric DeReese University. Thanks for listening, and until next time, take care.